Warning. The following program may contain traces of irony, sarcasm, satire, parody, mockery, banter, caricature, and nuts. The opinions expressed are almost certainly not shared by self-appointed officious dictatorial wowsers. If you are dangerously irony deficient or allergic to mockery of the self-important and corrupt, then get a life. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another episode of the Environmental As Anything show and to time to stand up for all life here on Mother Earth. So uh, thank you for joining me today. It's great to be with you and it's great to be here on the land of the Bundjalung Nation. This is stolen land, of course, and uh, re- actually remains the property of the Widjibal Wyable people on whose land I live, work and play. So thanks to them for their patience and tolerance and their hospitality in keeping us here in spite of all of the terrible depredations of colonialism, um, we are doing our best to clean up. So, uh, yes, uh, acknowledgement to Elders past, present and emerging and, uh, and hopes for a better future for us all together. So, what a great big week we've got ahead of us. Of course, every week is a huge week here on Environmental as Anything. Last week was the uh, ALP National Conference in Mianjin, Brisbane. That was an exciting event to be at and I've managed to bring back some of the audio which I recorded there um, on that day. And uh, also uh, a, a, the speech that Bob Brown made uh, outside the ALP National Conference uh, include, and also a, 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 a track by Xavier Rudd uh, recorded live there on the day and an audio from the march uh, from, the, uh, from the, the Musgrave Park to the, uh, uh, the convention centre there in Brisbane. Uh, exciting to ha- see such an upswelling of support across the country for the end to native forest logging. This is an inevitable uh, end which will either happen, like th- these things do, either happen due to a complete collapse of our forests and an end uh, which which is, is chaotic and disruptive to us all or a decision which is made in a timely manner uh, to end this, uh, this horror in our forests uh, now. And, uh, at, at a governmental level to make a decision to change the policies and legislation which enables this destruction. So uh, on that note, I'm also looking forward to speaking to Felicity Wade, who is the uh, national co-convener for the Labor Environment Action Network, and she was in that conference uh, on the floor. She had been working hard to uh, get up the uh, proposed amendment to actually end uh, native forest logging for in, within the ALP conference and a slightly disappointing result from many people that uh, the, the actual proposed uh, uh, motion did not go forward and instead there was a, a rather watered-down version of that uh, which was available but uh, great work, uh, hard work and somewhat thankless work obviously for Felicity but we'll get her to tell us how it was for her and uh, for the conference itself so that'll be a good uh, inside view on that. So here we are in Mianjin, Brisbane. Uh, We're marching uh, on the streets for our native forests uh, today. There's uh, there's going to be a thousand people here at least uh, heading down to the ALP National Conference at the Conference Centre down at South Bank. And uh, yeah, a lot of passionate people uh, determined to see an end to native forest logging here in Australia. Uh, and uh, determined that the ALP should join the 21st century and join the rest of Australia in, uh, in ending this obscenity. So, uh, pretty exciting. So, as you can see, people are on the streets. There's, uh, I can see Bob Brown right next to Xavier Rudd up there. Thanks for hey. that. That was passionate and beautiful, Thank as you. always. Thank you. So what are we doing here today? What do we want to do? What do we want to... We're going to get Labor to follow the 87% of Labor voters who want to end data forest logging. Xavier, that was a beautiful song. Thanks for singing that. What do you reckon is going to happen out of today? What would you like to see come out of this? Well, the obvious. Leave the forest alone. <laughs> It's about time, isn't it? It's about time. 
Sounds from uh, Mianjin, Brisbane, from last Saturday, where the uh, there was uh, thousands of people rallying for uh, our native forests uh, to the uh, ALP National Conference, which was uh, going on in its last day there uh, of, uh, at the Brisbane Conference Centre. It was Bob Brown and Xavier Rudd's voices you could hear while they held the banner and marched in front of that uh, crowd of, uh, of 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 the thousands who were marching down to the conference centre. Now. Uh, That went on to become a rally and uh, we'll hear later Bob Brown's speech uh, at that rally. But before we do, I thought we should talk to somebody who was inside uh, the ALP National Conference there and who has been campaigning hard for an inter-native forest and for uh, a range of uh, good environmental outcomes from the conference and uh, for Australia. And that, of course, is Felicity Wade. We spoke to Felicity only a couple of weeks ago in the lead-up to the conference to uh, to ask about her expectations and hopes for that. And, of course, Felicity is the national co-convener of the Labor Environment Action Network. And so who better to uh, to fill us in on it from an insider's perspective on the uh, Labor Party's, uh, the ALP National Conference there. So, Felicity, thank you for joining Environmental as Anything again today. Nice to be here. Oh, no, great pleasure. So, uh, look, uh, how, how would you typify uh, the outcomes from the conference? Because I can tell you there was a fair bit of frustration and disappointment from those who were outside. Uh, how did it feel from, from the inside? Look, um, we, were, we were happy with what happened at conference. I mean, I think, I, mean, I think as I said, on, from the, um, from, as a delegate from the stage, you know, every day that native forest logging goes on, it sort of is... It, it's being a little bit deaf, the party being a little bit deaf to the environmental concern of the members. But um, I guess as we went walked into that conference with a with a big agenda on land sector generally, the carbon both in our forests, in our you know bushland, so land clearing, uh, logging, as well as the restoration job, uh, we we knew that um, you know logging was the hard bit. As you know, it's been really hard for the party for many, many years. Hmm. A fantastic wedge between its two key constituencies. But so we always knew we weren't going. It was going to have. It would be a process solution. You know that we weren't going to get a blanket. We're going to stop native forest logging tomorrow. Partly because you know there's an argument that the feds don't actually have the power to do that anyway. But um, I guess we. So we were pretty happy that we're going to get a new national forest policy statement. I guess where we were a little bit grumpy was we would have liked a bit more clarity, a bit more direction about how that, how what the process and what the terms of reference for that process might be. Mm. You mentioned the conflict, uh, you know, that that seems to exist within the ALP between what you call its traditional constituency. I think you said, and uh, and and you know those of the the, the, the larger community with the eighty seven percent who are committed to an inter native forest logging. I, I must say again, it's 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 it always puzzles me. This there there must be uh, you know maybe three hundred in New South Wales. There may be as many as 300 uh, people employed in native forest logging and and I'd like to know how many of them are actually members of the union because I'm I'm guessing it would be less than 50 that's just a guess but uh, you know like and and there, you know I know there are 30,000 members of the the CFMEU CFMMEU who are uh, in the construction industry it seems like an absolutely trivial number especially when we're actually offering a, a you know a lucrative payout and and transition into actual permanent positions for these workers, how does that not gel with the the uh, the CFMMEU uh, and and get them on board to actually push for a better future for their workers? Look, I think um, look, I think I mean, I think we talked maybe about this a little bit before. Like, obviously, the unions um, need to defend their guys, but I think there is a sense in which everyone knows the time is up. We saw what happened with Maryvale in Victoria, how, you know, more than 200 guys lost their jobs, union members lost their jobs on that on the, on the that mill. And, you know, when um, Nippon took, uh, decided to pull reflex uh, paper out of Australia on the basis of that court decision that shut down the native forest logging industry. So I think, you know, people know that the, the time is coming for, for native forest logging. Mm. But I think more importantly is just... The history we now have in Australian politics of the conservative right really effectively building culture wars mm. that do, in fact, infect much more broadly than those directly affected. Infect, affected. Mm. 
And, you know, not to put too fine a point on it, but, you know, Bob Brown made a real uh, winner of that in 2019 for the destructive regressive forces by turning up in Queensland from Tasmania and telling working class people what to do. So, you know, there's, and that was the, the impact of that on that on that election was broader than just, you know, the non-existent workers on the Adani site, but that sense that, you know, there is, you know, Working communities have seen a whole lot of economic transformation over the last 30 or 40 years, and thanks probably more to neoliberalism than anything else, they know who pays for economic transformation. Mm. And so whenever it smells of, you know, there's going to be an industry taken away and there's a sense that the elites are kind of pushing it, it goes very badly politically. Mm. And we've got a leader in Dutton who, you know, is looking for the next wedge. So so I guess that's why it's important we go through a proper process. You know, we're we're really pushing for, we think we need a productivity commission inquiry, in fact, Mm. on native forest logging, Mm. because if you look at the economics, if you look at, you know, what's happening both, you know, to the natural capital of those forests, but also even just to how the industry is going and how crap the Australian industry is and how low value the products it's producing are. I think you can make it makes a very there'll be, there's a very immediate economic argument about this where mm. we don't have to go anywhere near a culture war, no. but we have to get those inputs on the table in an open process. And I think you know, with with that in mind, rather than just letting it just trundle along as it has for the last. 31 years since the National Forest Policy Statement was written in 1992, <laughs> you know, we, we, we will get to much better outcomes. Well, look. You, I mean, you you, you say you ran um, fringe events in the in the and, and one of them was on the future of jobs in and forestry. What 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 came out of that? Well, that was really interesting. We had the Minister Tanya Plibersek. We also had um, Andrew McIntosh, who many of your listeners will know, is the guy who called called the um, called out the dodgy carbon credits that are flooding the system in mm. in Australia. Uh, you know, in which you know there's a fairly robust fight about about whether they're dodgy or not. But he made he fundamentally made the point at this at this um, at that fringe event that, you know, if you've got a whole bunch of carbon credits and you want to make them in the most carbon rich places, you don't stick them out, you know, where the where the, A where there's low rainfall and B where there's um, most of the clearing, you know, there's yeah. there's not much clearing already. Um, and then finally we also had um, uh, Dave Copeman, who's the coordinator, the director at the Queensland Conservation Council, really pulling together how that if we can, you know, do this right, you know, the whole, the challenge of building the natural capital of both our forests and our bushland um, and potentially using those markets, those biodiversity and carbon markets, you know, there should be loads of jobs Mm. out of actually looking after the place. Mm. What was interesting though, and you know, this is always fantastically, the fantastic bit about Australia, about New South, sorry, about the ALP, Mm. is that a whole bunch of guys had got up at five o'clock in the morning who work in the forestry industry in Grafton and come to the, to the conference to make sure that people like us heard the message about their fears mm. about what happens when when and if the industry changes. And they were fantastic. They were incredibly respectful. But, you know, it is good for those of us who are, who, um, who are pushing for the environmental outcome to be, you know, confronted, you know, look, look people in the eye for whom this will have impacts in their mm. lives, in their lives. Yes, yes, we do have to, uh, you know, bring everyone, bring bring as many along as we as we need to get this done, don't we? It's like it needs mm. to, they need to be brought on board, and uh, I, you know, like there needs to be an understanding of what their needs are before we can actually provide for them. I suppose so. That's that's great to have that on on, on the inside. Um, so uh, you had uh, 369 local branches uh, uh, backing uh, a proposed uh, uh, motion to end native forest logging, um, and was that was that motion put to the floor? How did that progress? What what went on? How did that progress? Well, I guess in the end, you know, these things are often talking. Let's talk about how sausages are made. <laughs> um, Needless to say, you know, then especially when Labor is in government, the ministers are incredibly important. And I guess it's also fair to say that not much gets up in the conference unless without ministerial support. Um, so we went into negotiation with the minister and, you know, it was really hard, actually. But we were very, very happy we got the commitment that in this term of government, that national forest policy statement would be rewritten. I think many of your many of your listeners will remember its sad history. It was 1992, which is as you know, I said before, 31 years ago yeah. that the that, that, that the National Forest Policy Statement set up the Regional Forest Agreements, yep. which, as we all know, are the things driving extinctions and also now responsible for you know diminishing uh, timber yields. As you know, they've been over, overcut for so many years. 
and they have never been, it's never been updated. No one's ever looked at it again. No one's ever considered, you know, what's actually happened to the biodiversity, let alone what the carbon impacts are now that climate change is such an important policy area. Mm. So um, I think, you know, as you know, I think people are disappointed that we didn't get the blanket ban. But to my broader point, you know, unless we actually look at this as a whole, look at it, what it means, actually get the data. I mean, I think that's the other thing. Mm. You know, the data in terms of what's actually available and people actually understanding at, at a government level is kind of lacking by virtue of lack of policy, the policy rigour to actually have looked at it for all those years. I think once we put all that on the table, it's pretty clear which direction we need to go in. Mm, yeah. yeah. Well, the facts do speak for themselves when you do get them on the table, and that's it's great that you've got this process in train for it actually being put before the, the decision makers now. So that's, uh, you know, obviously appreciate it. And, and obviously, I guess those 369 uh, branches that backed that uh, uh, that policy, uh, you know, of ending native forest logging will will want to sort of continue to progress that agenda along as, uh, as, as you know, uh, along side this this new uh, forest policy statement or as part of that development of that new policy statement, I would imagine? Well, yeah. I mean, I think we all know people are going to have to keep... We're going to have to be vigilant and we're going to have to keep articulating our concern. And, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, not, I'm not afraid... You know, like I'm not nervous to say that we would have liked more clarity. And so now our job is to actually get those terms of reference and get a robust uh, process in place mm. that is going to, um, you know, fairly deal for all sides of the debate um and you know that's there's still work to be done to get that done mm-hmm. all right well that's a that's a solid promise to update the uh, the national forest policy statement and a commitment from you guys to continue to push for it to be the best it can be well there's a lot of other mm. things that went on in the uh in the on the conference floor uh you know land sector industry and land clearing uh you know these are uh, you know really big issues uh that you've been addressing can you tell us a little bit about that yeah, I mean, many of your listeners will know that land clearing in Australia is absolutely horrendous. Uh, government figures from from Queensland and New South Wales show that in the last three years, there's 1.5 million hectares has gone down, which is mm. kind of so mind-boggling. Yeah. And while the you know while people start saying, "Oh, well, it's dropping," it was still about 350,000 in Queensland last year. Uh. So, um, <laughs> you know, we are the only developed country on the planet who is just knocking over bush. Uh, primarily for cows. Mm. Uh, so we were pretty pleased. We got a commitment um, at the at the COP in Glasgow, at the Climate COP in Glasgow, um, COP26. There was what was called the Leader's Declaration on Forests and Land Use, uh, sort yep. of put together and supported by about 140 countries. And I guess the kind of really pointy bit of that is it commits countries to halt and reverse forest loss and land and and uh, forest degradation by 2030. Mm. So that's a pretty explicit, you know, mm. that's not only clearing, but that's also degradation, which very, you know, you know, arguably clearly includes our native forests. So um, now the platform actually commits um, Labor to delivery of that through, you know, various policy mechanisms. And so we think, and to end deforestation. So we think that's pretty exciting and important. I mean, again, not easy. And thank goodness Minister Plibersek's in the process of reforming the environment laws. Mm. But that's, you know, that's, you know, that's just as important as the logging, really. Mm. Well, I know, um, um, you know, I have, my, my son works in a, in a business working uh, on uh, on the carbon accounting uh, and uh, he does, some, they're doing some of the science, crunching the numbers for them. He talks about it. He's saying that a lot of, uh, he says to me that, oh, yeah, a lot of these farmers have got a, 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 an invidious choice. They want to stop land clearing where they can, but because of the rules that were set up by Phony Tony and Scummo, they are, um, uh, they're, they're basically financially penalised severely if they, uh, because of the the rules, you know, particularly regarding additionality, uh, you know, insist that uh, if they, you know, just the the, the technicalities of how they would go about it, they're just better off this year to go and clear that patch again than to leave it to regenerate. And, you know, they would rather let it regenerate, but the rules don't let them. So it's, it's vitally important that we get that policy right, isn't it? Oh, so important. And I mean, this is the tricky thing, isn't it, with these markets we're talking about where people are getting, you know, it's good to get past grant funding for environmental stuff, but, you know, we've actually got to have a really good regulatory system that does that thing of actually make sure there's outcomes, but also makes it possible for those who want to participate. Mm. And I think it's pretty clear that, um, as you say, under Abbott and ScoMo, 
there wasn't really much. They weren't actually trying to solve the problem, and I guess that, no, no, yeah, that's where we need to go. Clearly, deliberately trying to make the problem as bad as possible, making it worse. You know, mm. both both pushing us towards the apocalypse, which they both believed in <laughs> so passionately, and and you know, yes, like that's a, right. So uh, anyway, that's uh, you know. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, look, uh, the other thing was the um, uh, National Environment Commission. What's what's that all about? Okay, so when, um, you know, Tanya Plibersek, the minister, is looking to deliver these new environment laws, but back in sort of uh, actually the last Labor government, Julia Gillard had a go at devolving power from the Commonwealth to the states, which, you know, as you know, all of us who, you know, are deeply committed and deeply attached to outcomes like the Franklin River um, or the Daintree rainforest, that required the federal government to take, you know, take its international responsibilities and override the states, you know. So, you know, we, the idea that you were going to, that you know, there's this, there was this push to remove the federal government from environmental decision-making was anathema. But when, as, I think as the, as the Greenies looked at all of that, they realised that they were trying to defend a pretty crap piece of legislation. And what they did, you know, which is sort of the beginning of the process, which we're now in, where, you know, the reform of the environment laws. But what they did was they got a bunch of environmental law experts called the Australian Panel of Experts in Environmental Law, they called themselves Appeal, to sit down and think from first principles what the law should look like. And um, that kind of schema was adopted by Graham Samuel, you know, from the ACCC who put up the... the the review that, you know, Minister Plibersek's working from. But when those guys looked at the legal stuff, they also looked at the institutional stuff and said, you know, the laws are one thing, but just as important are the the institutions that support them. And they came up with the idea that you needed two institutions, one of which is the EPA to do the regulatory stuff, so that has rigour and, you know, independence and so on and so forth. But they also said you needed an environment commission. Now... A commission is two things. The way I, the comparisons I make are two different things. One of which is a climate change authority for the environment. So you know um, we have a climate. The climate change authority provides a whole bunch of advice to government about what their targets should be and you know how to do sectoral plans. You know it's doing all this work for government, but it's that sort of expert external to government, external to the you know the kind of political demands of a department. We actually get some real innovation and capacity into dealing with these problems that are so huge and so important. So that's one bit of it. And I guess the other one goes back to um, Bob Hawke created what was called the Resource Assessment Commission, which actually he set up at the same time as the Productivity Commission, but with the job to look at resource use. And they did a bunch, a couple of actually, not that many. They did um, inquiries on uh, Coronation Hill and Kakadu, and which under, underpinned the decision to to, to um, chuck out mining from from Kakadu. And they also did um, a piece of work on forestry, which you know did actually underpin <laughs> the, the ubiquitous na- or the now infamous national forest policy statement. Yeah. But you know that was a real that actually brought some rigor and some external, you know some external capacity to these big debates, which is what we've been lacking in the forestry debate for so long, where, you know, you actually got the ex- you got experts to listen to all the stakeholders. You got, um, it was kind of like, you know, it was like the accordism. It was kind of the, the, the ideas of the Hawke government where they brought everybody into a room, mm. they created a big space for discussion and then tried to actually solve problems. Mm. And we reckon a National Environment Commission could do some of that and be a really valuable thing to have. Well, it sounds like a great addition to the national discourse if it, and if it can lead to better outcomes. And, and another great addition, I think, is the other point in your email is the recognition of ecological limits. And it, you've said for the first time the ALP policy platform backs the need for the, con- the economy to work within ecological limits and with the consideration and of biodiversity and con- and climate impacts uh, so that's uh, that's an that sounds like an important in principle stance what effect will that actually have what 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 power will it have to to change the 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 you know policy and legislative uh, frameworks yeah. yeah it's a funny one it's like I, we were a bit surprised that we got that up in fact it's fantastic because that now sits as a statement in the very beginning of the national platform where it's talking about labor's economic principles so mm. As you say, it is a um, it is a statement of principle, mm. and I don't think we're going to um, <laughs> uh, impose it on every economic decision in the in the near future. Mm. But it is important because the platform, the national platform, is 
an articulation of what Labor believes in and the sort of the principles by which it wants to govern. Mm. So, you know, and I think it's also, it's a really strong reflection. We've seen it from Jim Chalmers this week in the Intergenerational Report where, you know, Labor is embracing the fact that climate change is going to be this huge intergenerational issue. Um, and, you know, it's, it's throughout that report in terms of the impacts that it's going to have on the economic future of the country. Mm. So, yeah, it's just great to have it there. I mean, yes, I don't think, you know, Australia, you know, we're going to start thinking about what our population or our, <laughs> or our, <laughs> or our um, you know, developmental impacts are in a completely strict ecological sense tomorrow. But um, I think it's really great the principle is there. Yeah, it's got to take steps to get anywhere, don't you? So that's, that sounds like one yeah. small but a significant step. It also sounds like a small but significant step away from neoliberalism which uh, which tr- treats uh, the environment as uh, uh, an externality and uh, and for someone just to be exploited and and another uh, you know push towards you know uh, ending that uh, neoliberal dominance of uh, of the ALP is this idea of uh, having this Re- inflation reduction act in uh, similar to the uh, the Biden inflation reduction act as I understand it. Yeah. So yeah, the inflation reduction act as you as you. Probably no. You know, Biden's put up $379 billion to support uh, a whole bunch of uh, climate change development across the country. Of course, it's really great because for us, it brings together the environmental and the industrial arm of of the Labor Party. So we worked with the key unions Mm. who are really interested in, you know, having a response because, you know, there's a whole bunch of... um, Particularly decarbonised industries are going well. We wouldn't go anywhere except the states now to develop our factories and our and our plants and so on because the subsidies are so huge. So we have to respond in some way if we want to be a clean energy superpower and not only you you know not only have lots of cheap renewable energy but industries that can be you know that can use that energy. Mm. So it was great to have the um, the conference confirmed that Labor wanted to have wants to have a response to the Inflation Reduction Act that there's a bunch of key principles around subsidy as well as tax, as well as procurement to get that done. And then a whole bunch of um, particulars that the unions, of course, want to make sure that when we do that, we do it in a way that looks after communities and workers. Mm, yeah. I mean, the Biden administration's plan has been uh, significantly informed by modern monetary theory um, and, uh, you know, like which which requires a stepping away from the sort of obsession with uh, with irrelevancies like uh, budget surpluses and, and, and deficits and all that sort of thing. Do, do you detect any hint in the ALP that there is a sort of a, a move towards rational acceptance of, of modern monetary systems and the way that they work? Or are we going to adhere to this sort of fish yeah, and chip shop owner question. version of the economy, you know? <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's a really good question because, you know, debt and deficit has been a pretty powerful tool of of the Conservatives against, you know, the the centre-left in, in Australia. But I think there's definitely, you know, across the world, but also, I guess, in the left, centre-left in Australia, that recognition that the government is going to have to play a more significant role in how the economy works mm. and, you know, that that's that's not just inefficient as the neoliberal... It's just just their job. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Well... All right, so that's that's all. Um, uh, you know, uh, good. It sounds like there's uh, some some interesting moves afoot in there. You also mentioned off air while we were uh, getting ready for this. Uh, the AUKUS was uh, was one that was expected to be quite contentious. Uh, what did go on around AUKUS there in the conference? Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, you know, AUKUS was interesting because you know it's a decision that has already been made by the government. So, you know, there wasn't really too much space. It didn't feel like to sort of (laughs) um, take it on too completely. But people were very, you know, the union sector, you know, there's a bunch of key unions who've been so important in the anti-nuclear debate for so long. Mm. And, you know, they needed their voice heard. And I guess Lean, as a strongly anti-nuclear organisation too, decided that we needed to be part of that debate. So, um I think there's probably a whole bunch of other issues around AUKUS, which members across the the board are worried about. You know, as we went around those 367 branches, we heard a lot of talk about AUKUS and people's concerns, which, you know, range from everything from the cost to the sort of sovereignty issues around the alliance with the US to, to you know, just the fear of actually the kind of creep of nuclear power in, in our country. Um, but so it was kind of, it was a respectful kind of debate um, it was kind of nerve-wracking being, you know, speaking against or speaking 
on behalf of our members' concern about nukes with, you know, as the other side of the debate being the Deputy Prime Minister, the Prime Minister <laughs> and the Defence Procurement Minister. Mm. But um, the ETU, the Electrical Trades Union, led that, and they just have a very, very powerful story that their members, um, ever since they came back from the Second World War and seen what happened in Hiroshima and Nagasaki, have been, you know, completely committed to being anti-nuclear in every, time, in every form. And I guess for us, it's actually this fantastic place, I think, the anti-nuclear sentiment, is where the peace, the environment and the labour movement kind of came together yeah. in the 20th century. Mm. So it's a really important part of, you know, all those movements' legacy. Yeah, well, I mean, I must say that was my entry point for the environment movement. I remember marching in Palm Sunday marches through through Sydney back when I was in high school. And, uh, you know, that's <laughs> longer ago than I dare uh, mention. But, uh, you know, like that clearly is something that uh, that brings people together and under under some, some very significant umbrellas. Mm, well, mm. What, what next, Felicity? We should wrap it up probably. But um, what next for, well, when's the next ALP conference if people want to get involved in this process, which is, uh, you know, clearly, uh, you know, quite an exciting opportunity to, uh, to get uh, the word in the ear of those in power. Well, uh, what, what, what's next for the community regarding, uh, you know, these issues? What should we be doing out here? When we're, to, you know. Yeah, sure, sure. Well, the actual ALP national conference only happens one every once every federal term of government, ah. so it, it's, it, they don't happen often. Mm. <laughs> uh, so you know, for us, they're they're big events, and you know, it was in 2015 that we won the you know the climate change, getting climate change back into the centre of Labor's agenda. In 2018, we won the commitment to the EPA and the new federal environment laws. 2021 was online and was a complete dud because, you know, you can't have much debate and kind of fireworks yeah. <laughs> online. Um, and so it was great to be back back having a proper conversation this time. Um, I mean, I, keep, I will keep, you know, I guess keep pitching, you know, that people should consider, from my point of view, having got inside the Labor Party, it's a much more interesting place inside than it looks like from the outside often. It's full of people who care about stuff. So that's obviously another a good way to, to keep to, to be involved. But in the immediate term, I mean, I guess, you know, it's important that people keep the pressure on the party around um, making sure that this national forest policy statement process is, is robust, while also being, I guess, tactically sort of smart in terms of trying not to feed the culture war because, you know, when the culture war gets going, um, we lose always, mm. our side loses and the environment loses too. Mm. So, you know, that just requires some sort of discipline and some kind of thinking through how, you know, pressure that that is effective rather than destructive. Mm. Mm, always a, a difficult balance to strike, uh, mm. but um, but one which obviously uh, yeah. Well, look, thank you very much for all of your uh, you know reporting on that and, and you know your, your feedback from the from the conference and your, and the build up to it as well. We really appreciate that. I hope we can stay in touch and talk about what's going on with Lean and uh, you know how the community can back your efforts to to bring the ALP uh, forward on uh, on actually recognising that core commitment to the environment. Thanks, Sean. No worries. Good on you. Thanks, Felicity. See ya. That was Felicity Wade, who is the national co-convener from the Labor Environment Action Network, uh, talking us through some of her uh, observations from the uh, ALP National Conference held in uh, Mianjin, Brisbane, last Saturday. So uh, that was uh, Saturday the, uh, the 19th. Of August. So, uh, yes, uh, uh, thanks to her and uh, thanks to you for tuning in, of course, to Environmental as Anything. It's uh, great to have you with us. Uh, next up, I'm going to play Bob Brown's uh, commentary, which he delivered uh, outside the, uh, the, the conference uh, on that Saturday. And uh, we'll be, uh, and of course, with the, the crowd cheering him on uh, as he goes, uh, he, he makes uh, his his point of view very firmly known to us all. So uh, there's a good one. And we'll, we'll go to a, uh, a song after Bob Brown and uh, we'll, be, uh, we'll be moving forward after that in the show talking uh, to, uh, to Al Oshlak about what's going on in the forest down there in Newry. Uh, and Oaks State Forest in Goombengir country around the mid-north coast. So, uh, yep, here's, uh, here's the uh, Native Forest Rally outside the conference of the ALP uh, in, uh, in Mianjin, Brisbane, with Bob Brown speaking. People of this country who looked after it for, for untold thousands of years 
and we're on a move to take that spirit back into the wildlands, not least the forests of this great continent, because the people in power haven't been listening. And I want to begin by saying hats off to those who were here just before us in defending Toonda Harbour, Harbour from Walker Corporation, who got kicked out of Tasmania, and may they be kicked out of Queensland, and leave it to the migratory birds. Ladies and gentlemen, we are the 87%. That's the poll from Australia Institute this week of Labor voters who want native forest logging stopped. In there is the 13%. Bound up by the corporations. And you know they began on Tuesday night with a dinner for the corporations. This is the party of the people and raised $150,000. Our Prime Minister with the people locked out. But where one thing they cannot do is lock out our spirit. And it is on the move. Right across this country. It is on the move. And we can say this to the Albanese government. When it comes to the environment, with the gas fracking, with the coal mines, with the accelerated logging of forests across this country, this government is F for failure. It's F for failure on fauna. It's F for failure on forests. It's F for failure on forest fuels on fossil fuels and we are here to change that to making this a positive future for future generations and for our fellow creatures in this country and on this planet. We are here as planet savers. On Tuesday I was in the forest in Tasmania where that great tree, this enormous giant still in its youth, was cut down under authority of the Albanese government and the Liberal government in Tasmania. So big, so big, that only a, a cross section of that trunk could fit onto a huge timber jinker as they took it off to the slaughterhouse of the profiteers. And in that forest are dozens more giants, many more than two metres in diameter, a lot more than four metres in diameter, one tree 87 metres high, which is a Matilda's football field, almost turned on end. And they're going to send it as wood chips to Taiwan and China, with the majority left, however, burnt on the forest floor. And we were taken just to the back of where they're logging, to a fernery with the Exonia Antarctica and the pink robins flitting around and the honey eaters and the scrub wrens. And some of those ferns have been growing there for 1,000 years and they're encrusted by many more. And if what I hear is right, since Tuesday, under the authority of this Labor Party, that fernery has been completely obliterated from the face of this planet forever. It is a shame. This is a shameful Prime Minister when it comes to the environment. This is a negligent government when it comes to the environment. And our job is not just to protect the forests, it is if they do not heed the people. And that poll showing that four out of five Australians, right across the board, including a majority of coalition voters and Pauline Hanson voters, for goodness sake, want native logging, forest logging stopped. Where is their ear? So if they don't, there will be more Greens. 
There will be more teals. There will be more independents who treat the environment as as important as the economy. And we'll know when we've got it right. When the Minister for the Environment... Where are you, Tanya? Why aren't you out here speaking to this environmental crowd? This is your constituency. We'll know when we're getting it right. When the Minister for the Environment, when we get one, is as powerful as the Treasurer. Because with no environment, you have no economy. And that we listen to our young women friends, 16 and 17, talking with despair about the future of the planet. Well, when it comes to the government, this, the, the Albanese government has now been there more than a year. They began by ticking off on one of the biggest gas processing plants, Scarborough, in Western Australia, on Earth. They've licensed more coal mines. They licensed the bulldozing of the Jalora Corridor. Tanya ticked off on it with its critically endangered western ringtail possums, six of whom were killed on site, the rest dispersed to God knows what, and the, the black cockatoos, the native fish, the orchids, two of the largest mistletoe trees on earth, have been destroyed under authority of this government in that last 12 months. And from Queensland, to New South Wales, glory in New South Wales, a new Labor government, which said, we are going to have a great koala national park. Well, we know what's happening at Newry and Kalang, and in the South Coast. I saw this last week on the South Coast, a massive truck with great stems of eucalypt, koala habitat being taken off to the mill under th authority of 13% Labor against their 80% of own voters. Well, the message is this. We are galvanising people power because it's people power that wins. And we are here to say to everybody in Australia, this is a country of materialism, of capitalism, where money rules over heart and soul and nature and everything which gives us light, life and love and laughter on this planet. The dollar rules. What has happened to the heart of labour? What has happened to that heart that once beat there? The light on the hill, as far as the environment's concerned has been snuffed out and it has to come back to light and the light is here with the people and we are on a campaign which like New Zealand Labor in 2002 in more difficult circumstances responded to the people and ended native forest logging because we've got enough plantations to meet all our wood needs we don't need the profiteers to be destroying our forests and so we're not going to have it. We will in March. This is going to be six monthly. We'll have a march for forests in March, right across this country. We're going to be on the move for our forests, for our wildlife, for our koalas, for our indigenous heritage, for the wildlife, for the bird life. That's so threatened by these merchants of money. And Australians are up to it. And young Australians in particular, they're not just angry, they're intelligent and they're getting active. And it's that action which is going to change this world. So ladies and gentlemen, I didn't get arrested in the forest on Tuesday because I wanted to come up here to be in Brisbane. But I'm going back there this week. And 
going to simply have Labor Liberal laws criminalising decent young Australians for standing up for the environment, while the real criminals with the chainsaws and the bulldozers keep smashing down our cultural and our environmental heritage. This is where the spirit of Australia is, in here, not in there. And we're on the boat. So here's the message to Anthony Albanese. Here is the message to Tanya Plibersek. Here is the message to that government that says it wants to stay there for another term and next term. So, everybody, it's great to be here with wonderful people whose heart and soul is with our environment, with our Indigenous people, with that spirit that always was on this continent and the flame of which is coming back to claim our forests, our wildlife, and the future for those who come after us in everything we do. Will it be advantaged for those who come after us? That is what lifts our spirits and our souls. Ladies and gentlemen, a message to Albo. End native forest logging. Thanks for being here this morning. Taken land of 
dug up Families were broken Spirits were crushed Language that was silenced Is now free to be passed The cup that was empty Slowly filling up So we can pull together Show our children it is time This is our home These are our rights Ooh, this is our home Walk together, we must walk together, walk together, we must walk together, walk together, we must walk together, we must walk together. And, uh, of course, you heard that uh, track, that song from uh, Xavier Rudd. That he, he played that song there in the, uh, the park at uh, Musgrave Park. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Environmental As Anything podcast. Uh, I'll be bringing them to you as regularly as I can. If you'd like to tune in to more of this kind of uh, material, uh, there's plenty of episodes available. You can subscribe to our podcast. And while you're there, you might as well rate it and help uh, spread the word by sharing it on social media if you can. We're on social media, of course, on Facebook particularly. You can find us anywhere you look for environmental as anything. And if you're really keen to see the show carry on, please do go and support us on Patreon. Again, you can find us by just searching environmental as anything Patreon. Thank you for your support. Be gentle with yourselves. Be kind to each other. And remember, we are all in this together. Uh-huh.